Welcome back to the coal mine, your early warning system for all things absolutely insane that are happening in our great socialist utopia of Seattle and are coming soon to your city. There is a movement underway right now. It's not the one you're seeing on the streets. It is a movement that has been going on for a while to disband the police department, to get rid of the police department entirely. Let's do a little historical context for this for a minute. What do you think would happen if there was no police department? What do you think? Oh, seriously. What do you think would happen if you think the criminals are just going to say, oh, I'm done? What is the motivation behind this? Really? What's the motivation behind taking away your gun rights, getting rid of the police department, all things that protect the citizens from anything, even the government? There's been a huge push underway here in Seattle to disband the police department in wake of the George Floyd killing. This is something that has been going on for a while that is now percolating up to the surface. In response to violent riots and looting that destroyed downtown Seattle over the weekend, several Seattle City Council members supported the violence. On Monday, in a video council meeting about the riots, Socialist Council member Tammy Morales said she can't figure out why looting bothers people when people die every day. Listen here. People are willing to help do those repairs, and I'm extremely thankful that nobody was injured there. But what I don't want to hear is for our constituents to be told to be civil, not to be reactionary, to be told that looting doesn't solve anything. And, you know, it does make me wonder and ask the question why looting bothers people so much more than knowing that across the country, black men and women are dying every day and far too often at the hands of those who are sworn to protect and serve. Those remarks were picked up very, very quickly by Jason Rance, who's a conservative talk show host here in Seattle, and went viral. They were on Hannity. They were on Limbaugh. They were on Fox News. They were on Tucker Carlson. They were picked up by the uh, Daily Caller. They were on every conservative site there was, and it's being ignored. This is a person who is supporting the looting. I wonder how she would feel if we sent everybody over to her mansion and had them loot her mansion or her husband's medical practice or oh wait she doesn't own any businesses she's never been a business owner oh no wait she was and they had to close right so maybe she doesn't know how it feels but this is absolutely absolutely insane morales is one of the newest members of the seattle city council and ran on a slate of socialist and abolitionist candidates including Councilmember Kashama Sawant, who's a Marxist, and former, former Bernie Sanders staffer, who is also an anti-Semite, Sean Scott. Oh, I forgot. Kashama Sawant's also an anti-Semite. I don't want to, you know, just not give credit where credit is due. Sawant has a history of vilifying Seattle police officers. She tweeted support for the riots. She said, quote, video footage since Saturday has repeatedly revealed that the police are the ones instigating the violence. I'm sorry, What? The police, the videos actually show everybody standing there. There's the police line. There's the protesters. And all of a sudden, rocks and bottles and everything else start coming at the police. And that's when they launch the gas. In fact, back to the quote, it seems to be a spontaneous eruptions from the police, but they seem to be coming prepared with instructions to orchestrate violence, including repeated practices and patterns of repression and violence with officers wearing riot gear and carrying tear gas. Uh, <laughs> that's just, I, this is so stupid. I can't even listen to it. She is delusional. This isn't what's happening at all. This is a lie, and it is dangerous because she's putting the blame on them and not where it belongs, on the looters and the rioters. Protesters are trying to protest, and looters and rioters and police abolitionists are infiltrating these groups and attacking police officers, trying to get the reaction so you see what happens after. 
after the initial attack, because then everybody rushes to judgment. Here's another quote from Kishama Sawan. This is an uprising. We'll need to continue building a sustained protest movement with organizing and accountable leadership that's independent of establishment influence to be able to win any of these demands. Cannot rely on corporate establishment. Our socialist office is fighting for a ban on Seattle police use purchase of chemical weapons, rubber bullets, sonic slash ultrasound weapons, a ban on chokeholds, a cut in police budget by half to fund restorative justice, and an Amazon tax to big business and fund housing. Just, it's so transparent what's happening here. It's completely transparent. I've mentioned this before. I'm going to mention this again. Historical context. In 1972, the Munich Olympics, Germany was trying to recover from the Olympics in 1930s when everybody saw them as the big Nazi state. They were trying to move past that. So what did they do? They said, we're going to have security guards, but they're not going to be armed. In fact, they're just going to be in little pretty, very non-threatening looking uniforms, very pretty looking, like something out of Star Trek. And what happened? Palestinian terrorists knew this, used it to their advantage, infiltrated the uh, Olympic Village, and murdered 11 Israeli athletes, innocent athletes, after holding them hostage for a few days. You think the bad guys are just going to put down their guns? Because there's no more police force? Do you really think that the police are the ones who... No, we created the police force to protect us from the bad guys. This is like saying, you know what? We're going to put up this sign that says, gun-free zone. It's going to keep all the guns out of schools, right? No, you need security guards at schools to keep guns out of schools. We have security guards for our politicians. We have security guards at airports. We have security guards at baseball games. Why aren't we protecting our children? You really think that if we didn't have a police force, all of a sudden the bad guys would stop committing crime? Because that's really how this stuff works. Another council member, Teresa Mosqueda, who's really so want light, justified the riots and falsely claimed during the video meeting that the very thing that everybody was protesting, excessive police force, was met by a militarized response. Oh, you start throwing rocks at them and attacking them. You pre-stack bricks beforehand to throw at them. What did you expect to happen? You stole AR-15s, not you. Take that back. Council member did not steal anything. Rioters went into a cop car, stole two AR-15s, and started shooting them at people. They were disarmed by a security guard from Q13 Fox. Unbelievable. I don't understand it. The rioters are burning police vehicles, but it's the police officer's fault? These guys are hurting. I have friends in New York who are police officers. I have friends in Seattle who are police I have friends all over the country who are police officers. You should see what they're posting about. They can't believe how everybody has turned against them and all they're trying to do is protect people. Are there a few bad apples? There aren't any organization. There aren't any company. But 99.9% .9 of these guys are trying to do the right thing and you're attacking them. What more do you want? The cop who, held, who had his knee on George um, Floyd's neck is going to jail probably for the rest of his life. I don't know if they have the death penalty down there. Three other officers have also been charged. The FBI is involved. The Department of Justice is involved. They were all immediately fired. What more do you want? If you want to have a conversation on race, let's have that conversation. Let's talk about that the Washington Post ran a great article this week with statistics in it. And I never say that about the Washington Post, how great an article they wrote. 7,000 African Americans were killed last year by black-on-black -black violence, gun violence. 7,000. If Black Lives Matter really carried, cared about what they claimed to care about, they would be in Chicago protesting every single weekend trying to stop the gang violence. You know how many African Americans were killed, unarmed African Americans were killed by cops last year? Nine. Nine. 
every life is precious and it shouldn't have happened. At least, I don't know the details of those cases. We assume it shouldn't have happened if we're going with this narrative. But 7,000 were killed on black-on-black gun violence, in gang violence, and other things. Drive-by shootings. Why is that not being talked about? If Black Lives Matter, the organization, really cared that much, they would be talking about this. Why aren't they talking about this? Why are the looters and rioters attacking minority-owned businesses? Why did they destroy Chinatown? Why did they destroy all the Jewish restaurants in Los Angeles? Why are they attacking minority-owned businesses? Why are they attacking black-owned businesses? Why are they destroying them? Why are black police officers, why are black business owners getting killed during all this? Because it's about the narrative. It's about pushing the agenda. It is no longer about George Floyd. George Floyd's own family said, stop this. Stop this now. This isn't what he would have wanted. Why is this still going on? Because it's about pushing an agenda and a dangerous one at that. I love Mayor Jenny Durkin's tweet that this all the violence is being done by white males. Well, white males are Antifa. Antifa is mostly white millennials. Who are you trying to blame us on? Trying to say it's white supremacists? I have not seen anything that shows me it's white supremacists that are doing this violence. However, there's not that much of a difference between the white supremacists and the Antifa guys. They should probably go to the same meetings together and just decide the people they hate together. Local members of Antifa, the organization behind the Seattle looting and riots, are have been well documented by post-millennial editor-at-large Andy No. I write for the post-millennial. Andy has covered this like nobody else. If you want to see all the research on Antifa, go look up Andy No. N-G-O is how you spell his last name, and you will find everything you ever want to know about Antifa. You will find out everything you want to know about these groups. He is the expert. He wrote the book on it. Seattle is no stranger to Antifa violence. Antifa has been a visible presence in Seattle since 2016 with ties to local Democrat leaders. I have covered this before. One of the vice chairs of local Democrat party loves going to Antifa rallies and insulting African-Americans who happen to be Republicans. Yes, it's on video. I have posted it before. He is yelling slurs at African-Americans who support President Trump. That's their opinion. That's First Amendment right. All current council members, as well as the mayor, have been endorsed by these local Democrat parties. So who's really pushing this narrative of hate? On Sunday and Monday evening, the mayor did not enforce her own mandated curfew against the protesters as more rioting continued across the city. Many were quick to question why a city with a history of activism and violent protests on May Day, they always, I love when they go smashing out the Nike store while wearing their Nike shoes, since the 1999 WTO battle in Seattle, riots and in the midst of coronavirus stay-at-home orders was not better prepared for the violence how did nobody in elected officials in seattle or washington state see this coming seattle police officers appear to have been given stand down orders to not arrest looters and have been standing idly by this was saturday night while destruction of storefronts and multiple videos weapons were banned in the area by an emergency order by the mayor so small business owners were not allowed to defend their own livelihoods Governor Jay Inslee tweeted that he was sending in 200 National Guard troops to assist who were unarmed. So these guys who were stealing AR-15s and attacking people, you're going to send the National Guard in there without any weapons whatsoever, nothing to defend themselves? Reinforcements for Seattle police did not arrive for several hours after the riots began, causing many to question if city officials were truly committed to preventing the destruction. Maybe there's just a calculated risk. Oh, they have insurance. We'll let them rebuild themselves. That's their problem. Something I saw that was ridiculous was somebody went to the protest, came back, and their cars had been destroyed by the looters and the rioters. And insurance wouldn't cover it because they drove into an area where they knew this could possibly be happening. 
Yeah. So back to the Kashama Sawan quote. I just announced that I'll bring legislation banning police use of chemical weapons. Notice how she says chemical weapons. They're not, you know, they're not using mustard gas on people, including tear gas, mace, pepper spray, rubber bullets, beanbags, water cannon. So what's going to happen? They're going to get bricks thrown on them and say, oh, please hit us more with more of this. We'll need a movement to win. This is organized. This is an agenda. It is about de-policing. It is about taking away your rights. This has nothing to do with race. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. It started that way. People have a protest. These protesters don't realize they are being used by the rioters. They are being used by the looters. And they are being used as politicians. They are being used as politicians on both sides of the aisle to push a narrative. But right now, there is another agenda at play. It's about getting rid of the police department and taking away your rights. Don't say, I didn't warn you, because this is happening across the country. Coming up, we have a whole lot more to get to on Canary in a Coal Mine podcast. Remember to like, share, subscribe to the podcast, and we will see you right after this word from our sponsor. Welcome back to Canary in a Coal Mine. I am joined by Master Jacob Lunnan. Jacob Lunnan is a good friend of mine. He is a karate, I'm sorry, a kung fu master, and he is originally a resident of the South, but lived in Seattle for some time, and now is a resident of Israel. Jacob is a friend of mine, and one of the things that I was most curious to talk to him about was he was born in the South during the time of Jim Crow, and I thought that his perspective on this would be valuable to everybody, especially given the fact that he used to go around speaking about this kind of stuff, and he chose to be the ultimate minority, a Jewish African-American person, which was a choice you made. So Jacob, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and pretty much just a concise version of the story and how you got to just be living in Israel. Okay, well, first of all, I spent my summers in Israel. I was actually born in Ohio in uh, 1954. And uh, in, I, was, I was very fortunate to uh, make education my, my hall card. My mother used to always say, look, we don't have a lot. I'm going to put it in your, your head and not in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, education was a big thing for us. And eventually I, I became uh, an actor and, and I got an opportunity to do a one-man show on the civil rights movement, which is uh, uh, art imitating life, I guess. You know uh, how that goes uh, sometimes, but but yeah. Um, so I uh, I grew up as a New York actor, and I got involved in martial arts to keep myself uh, physically fit as an actor. As an actor, unlike a musician whose instrument is outside of his body, an actor uh, instrument is his body, mind, voice, and and so. Chinese martial arts seemed to be the way to go. So, kind of just uh, came my vehicle, uh, sort of say, sort of. But uh, oh, are, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, because my uh, I I think was okay. There you are. There you are. My picture. Yeah. Uh, sort of crazy for a second. Um, but I remember all the events going on. I remember the fair housing uh, that President Johnson passed on, uh, it was April 11th, back, uh, 1968. 
uh, where he signed the Civil Rights Act, uh, which uh, included fair housing laws. At that time, African Americans couldn't live uh, anywhere they wanted. Uh, you know, it, it was very, very uh, difficult. There was a lot of discrimination uh, even back then. And that signing came actually seven days after the death of Dr. Martin. Funny how uh, this has to happen in order for change to occur. So looking at what's going on now with uh, George Floyd, uh, this has been going on. You know, thank God that finally we're getting us news uh, coverage and people are starting to get uh, had enough. People have had enough. But, you know, this is not going to end. And this is my, not going to end unless, quite honestly, Caucasian Americans stand up and say this. African Americans can scream and yell and, 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 you know, what else can we do? I mean, we're in a, a, a situation where discrimination is, is America. And unless America, you know, sees that, it's never going to change. The only people that can make it change are actually the good Caucasian Americans who have had enough, don't want racism to be their whole card. Because I live here in, I live here in the Middle East, and I tell you, Iran, all the Palestinians, all the the the, the uh, enemies of America, you know what they're doing right now? They're celebrating. They're celebrating. Well, they're 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 having parties. They're having fun watching America implode. And is this how we want to be looked at? It, you know, I, I there's. <laughs> They saw this coming. Why didn't we? You know, maybe it was because we were too busy calling each other names and, and hating each other. Listen, I live here in, in Jerusalem. I'm not known as, you know, Yaakov David Lunnan here, uh, the African-American Israeli. I'm known here as Yaakov David Lunnan, the Israeli. There's, there's, there's no... African, my color, none of that matters here. And you know, it took me a year to, to get used to that. You know, people are looking at me, I'm like, what you looking at? You know, I mean, because I I never was treated like a human being before. And the the things that America treasures, you know, like the big car, uh, what we call Gashmia, all the all the trappings, here people don't care about that. They care about they care about you as a person, like, you know, like, what kind of guy are you? Skilled? Are you, are you, are you a good person? You know, are you following the commandments, the mitzvahs, as we call commandments here? Um, your character. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I tell people, look, Israelis carry guns. Yeah. Why? Protect themselves. Of course. From who? Definitely not fellow Israeli. No, everybody's here protecting each other. Americans carry guns too. Why? Protect themselves. Of course. From who? 
fellow Americans. Now that is the problem. Let me ask and, you. An, let me ask you an uncomfortable question, not to cut you off, sure. but some of my Ethiopian friends have told me, the Jewish Ethiopians have told me that they faced a lot of, uh, I guess, racism inside the Jewish community. Would you say that is something that you, you just said you didn't really have that problem in Israel. Is that something you had a bigger problem with? Did you experience that at all when you lived in America? Well, uh, let's face it. America's built on racism. Plain and simple. And that's not going to change until, I don't like to say white America because white means purity all that and I've never met anybody that white like pink. The same with black America. Black means something negative. So I prefer not calling anybody that. Magic play a big part. Um, there are there is prejudice here. That's sure, for sure. Prejudice all over the world. Anybody whose skin color is uh, uh, darker than the next person. And that's human issue. You know, I'm, we're doing a piece now called Skin Deep. Uh, it's about my life. About, I talk about, you know, how people are surfing. You've got to look beneath the skin. Um, the racism here is quite different. You know, people are, are not used to seeing people like me. So there's more curious, curiosity than anything. Also, when the Ethiopians came here, um, they weren't used to the white people, and, and I, you know, they weren't used to that. And they weren't used to living in this type of environment. They were used to living in, in a different kind of environment, like, uh, like, you know, they had their huts and they had their... And so Israel tried to provide for them an environment that was conducive to, uh, to the, where they had come from. Now, I hate to say this, but the most of the bias attitudes come from uh, well, the Ashkenazi. Uh, so European uh, descent, European European descent. descent. You, know, yeah. you know, the Sephardic here uh, is more accepting of everything, and of course, you know, they've been here long, but, um, but they tend to stay to themselves. You know, it's like anything. Once you get to know someone, they open up, and and, and it, you know, everyone's the same. And same with the the uh, European descent. Although most of your bias come from your Americans who have moved here and brought that kind of sense. And then, of course, you have the ultra ultra orthodox, who, you know, they just stay with themselves, um, and and. They don't like anybody. They don't like the outside world. All they do is want to pray and have more babies, and you know, <laughs> you know and, which is cool. Which is a, a cool thing. It's a different mindset because when I met you, I see you walk into the synagogue, or I think I met you at a pizza place. I don't remember which one is either synagogue or pizza place. And I see you walk in, I go, "That's a guy I want to be friends with." Right? That's a guy I want to meet. Because I'm fascinated. My wife actually got mad at me because um, there's a friend of ours who's an Asian Jew. And they came and sat at our table one time. And I'm like, so where are you from? And they said, Boston. And that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was expecting something 
you know, a longer story because usually, you know, there's no way one Jew looks. That's why we're a race and a religion. But I was expecting a more complicated answer, kind of like your story. And my wife started like needling me, like, stop doing that. <laughs> like that actually being racist, what you're doing. So for me, I'm more fascinated with that kind of thing. So in what you're watching on the news about what's happening in America, you see that there's the people who are using the situation to their advantage to go and loot stores and go and destroy property like Antifa and other hate groups like that. Do you think that perhaps the way to go about this is not by, you know, protesting, but perhaps to actually work on legislation or work on programs or work on accountability? Do you think there might be a more effective method than the protest? Or do you think the protest is what brings the attention so that you can get that kind of stuff passed? Absolutely. And, and you know, um, I think the focus right now should be on getting rid of terrorist organizations. Number one, what happened to George Floyd has been happening ever since I've been. Um, now, the protesters out there, I truly believe, aren't the agitators. The agitators are our homegrown terrorists who are coming in and are being funded. They use this, this, this tragedy, this wake-up call uh, that America had. They're using it to their advantage. They're stealing the thunder from, uh, from uh, Mr. Floyd's uh, uh, sacrifice. They, they are, they're taking the, all of the attention away from what is most important what is going on here and to me i think this was scripted i think african americans are are far more intelligent than than people give them credit for i don't think they're the ones that are perpetrating this i think that it's hate groups like the neo-nazi uh the antifada movement who are incidentally i would not be surprised at this point are being funded by the Democratic Party, and and I and I don't like making political statements um, because I don't. I, I just think that we've lost that freedom somewhere down the line, where you know you just you just can't say who you are voting for. It, it, Americans have gotten so polarized. Right, but I, I see that these these people that are getting arrested are they've got bail money. Now, what is that all about, and who is bailing them out? I know Republicans are not, and I did a little searching and found out that some of the money that is bailing these people out are coming from the Democratic side of uh, the house, you know, side of the. I, I just, uh, you know, you know my, it, it, this is this is, uh, this is what my my parents are always talking about about how you gotta watch, got gotta watch the Democrats, gotta watch because the Democrats were the ones that were always perpetrating slavery, and and. The Republicans were actually the ones who were trying to, you know, abolish these ways and telling people, look, it's not going to be easy to pull yourself up. You know, I, I see right now that President 
have, and granted, you know, different. He's not very presidential, you know. Didn't understand, uh, you know, that you have to control your your mouth when you're the leader of the free world. He, he just thinks that the corporation. Uh, but the man gets things done. You know, I mean, I've had, I've seen presidents since Eisenhower. All right, I've been around. And I've heard all the smooth talk. Ain't nothing got better. It all got worse. And then any time somebody stood up, they got shot. You know, so to keep you, you think down. We were, do you think we were overdue for a blow up like this? And that oh, it was it was coming. Mm -hmm. That's why I left. You know, I I <laughs> America is the type of place that will take a good man and turn him bad. Only because he has to survive. Take a good man and make him do a bad thing. Um, it, it it just <laughs> it's it, it it's just amazing how they want to keep tabs on every person of color. They'll find some reason to put you in the system. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter if you're poor or you're rich. They're gonna find a way to put you in the system so that. Sometimes they can sit against you if you try to stand up. And and uh, you know it, it 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 was bound to happen. They never got rid of the Klan. Why do you give have a, a, a an organization? You know, and they talk about freedom of speech. That's to me that's crazy. You have a, 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 an organization like the Klan who is an active terrorist group who terrorizes African-Americans, terrorizes Jews, terrorizes Catholics, you know, <laughs> and yet you're, they're allowed to exist under freedom of speech. I'm sorry, that ain't freedom. That's okay. not freedom. And it's like That's freedom for now. them, but it's, it's imposing, you know, it's imposing fear on fellow Americans, somebody who you may have to share a foxhole with someday. Right, you and know, that's what we're seeing now where these protesters, uh, not the protesters, let me distinguish between the two. The rioters went and destroyed Chinatown in Seattle. In Los Angeles, they went and attacked the Jewish businesses, you know, the, all the Jewish restaurants and stuff. So if they're going after other minorities, they're clearly not in step with the protesters that are out there standing up for minorities. Exactly. Exactly. So it's time that the president of the United States and time for him to, yeah, nobody likes him. I think he's doing a great job. My kids don't even talk. Yeah, they don't, yeah. you know. You know, actually, you know, I've got, I've got many kids. Um, my Jewish kids do not talk. My non-Jewish kids, they're all about it with me, you know. Um, but it's time for the, for martial law. You, you we can't do anything at this point, unless it's martial law. We have to have law and order, first of all. Law and order, protect the people. And then we have to go after the Klan and all its sub, sub subsidiaries, all, all the groups, all the all the antifadas, all these people. They have to go. You know, they, you mentioned that, and I remember when I was growing up, um, I was dating a girl when it was time for me to register to vote. 
And she said, oh, I said, which party do I register for? Because I didn't care. I'm in high school. What do I care about? You know, I care about sports in my car. That's all I care about. And she said, well, you register as a Democrat because that's what you do. And I'm like, okay, so I registered as a Democrat. And I used to vote down the entire Democrat ticket. And then when I started looking into politics, I'm like, this really doesn't line up with, with who I am and what I do. And we're in the minority, the people who look at it that way, because I think the Orthodox Jews overwhelmingly vote Republican or conservative. And meanwhile, every other type of Jew overwhelmingly votes Democrat. So we're the minority of the minority of the minority, and you get to throw on two or three more minorities on top of it. You know, it's just, it's, it's built into the structure where if you're in this demographic, you vote this way. And that seems to be the ultimate racism by assuming that, not that you have your own individual thoughts, but that you have to go into this because that's what color you are, what religion you are, you have to vote a certain way. That is so such a small-minded way of thinking. And African-Americans need to speak up about what's going on more, about all this violence and all of, you know, I, it, it, they have to separate themselves. And they have to separate themselves from, like the Jewish community, they have to separate themselves from all people who are involved in terrorism. Point. It's about terrorism, and it's about trying to overthrow the government. It's, uh, it's very clear. When Nancy Pelosi tore up the, the, uh, the president's uh, uh, address in front of all those veterans and all those people, she should have been arrested right there. Because if this had happened in the 60s, let me tell you something, these people would have gone to jail, would have faced a firing squad for treason. Treason, point blank treason. The problem now is that the Democrats have dummied down the educational system that Americans don't even know what their constitutional rights are or, or what it's about. They can't even spell it. Immigrants, people that are applying for green cards, know more about the American Constitution and the Bill of Rights than your average Joe on the street. So I got a funny story for you about that. You know all the people involved, so I'm not going to say their names. But a mutual friend of ours who is a public, who was at the time a public school teacher, and a mutual friend of ours who was applying for American citizenship, who moved here from a different country, were at a party with me one time. We decided to play, just because we were bored and we had alcohol, the uh, test of American citizenship knowledge. And we put the public school teacher who teaches civics and government against the person who was immigrating to this country and studying for the citizenship exam. And the citizenship of the person applying for citizenship blew them out of the water. Like it wasn't even close. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So Americans don't even know how to be Americans anymore. They have no clue. And this was designed, you see, this was designed on purpose to keep stupid dumb and ignorant, then you can be controlled and you can be manipulated and, and you can be told to do things that, that you won't question. Most people won't question. Most people are sheep. Like I said, most people are skin deep. They don't look below the surface. They just go along. With and, and what has happened, America has gone down the drain. I got a chance to travel America. So, uh, I doing three shows a day, five days a week, 
all over America from the Ivy League colleges to the most inner city schools in Washington, D.C., to you name it, the corporations doing diversity training for like Safeco and, and Boeing and Wichita. Uh, and I got a chance to see the school system. I'll tell you, like no other person, in I, I, I really think so. And I, and I, I would tell the kids in the inner city, Kids that are going to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, these are Ivy League Ivy uh, kids that grew up with privilege. They don't they know nothing about them. But you know what? If you don't get an education, get out there and vote. These kids are going to be the laws that you are going to have to live with. They know nothing about you. So right. how are you going to change that? You're going to have to become part of the system. You're going to have to go to these schools, get an education, and come home and re-educate everybody else and change the system from within. You know, I grew up in the in the 60s, you know, uh, long hair. I still got long hair, as a matter of fact, but, you know, that's only because I'm going to be 66 and I can still grow it. So <laughs> You're lucky because I'm having some problems up front here. You know? Well, this is just because I haven't gotten a haircut in a while. This isn't working out for I understand. Yeah. I understand. But, you know, we learned. We grew up. We says, listen, turn, turn, tune in, turn on, and drop out. That was the motto of the 60s. But we realized nothing was going to change. So we had to cut our hair. We had to put on a shirt and tie, come part and change it within. And that's what it's going to take and to make America great again. Listen, it's all about education. It's all about education. Uh, I was in Priest River. I got sent to Priest River, Idaho, uh, doing my show. At that time, Priest River was known to be a neo-Nazi, like, like, old in Idaho. And my boss told me, she said, make sure you are safe down at night. I said, oh God, why'd you ever send me? I pull up in front of the school, police car pulled up right behind me. I jumped out of the car. The principal came running out of the building. The window, there wasn't a window that didn't have a face in it. And somebody pointed out the window, he's here, he's here. And I jumped out, I'm like, I'm here, I'm here. And the principal waved the, the police away. Well, make a long story short, I uh, did my show, about 300 and everybody except one. He got that I hate you. Hate you too. And ooh, I got nervous. Everybody got nervous. So I took off my pork pie hat, took off my stocking cap that held my bread, my dreads in, my hair fell down. I pulled out a kippah, put it on my head, and I said, well, I'm black and Jewish. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm the Ku Klux Klan's poster boy, huh? Pleased to meet you. <laughs> and uh, the whole place fell out laughing. The teachers got up, take him out. And I said, no, 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 don't take him out of here. I'm, uh, I'm upset. 
I said, I believe in freedom of speech. Besides, it gives me an opportunity to show the rest of these kids what the power of education can do. And I looked at this kid and I said to him straight out, are you a pure racist? He reached in his pocket. I thought, oh my God, I better duck something. But he pulled out this little card, like a junior membership card to the local plan. And he goes, hmm. I go, well, outstanding. You're a pure racist. Never met one of those. Guess you don't eat peanut butter, huh? Everybody got quiet. Even the teachers were looking at me like, what's he saying? Where's he going with this? What's he? And I said, well, George Washington Carver was an African-American scientist who invented peanut butter. And you know what that did when he invented it? It saved the entire economy of the South. But you can't eat peanut butter because you're card-carrying racist. And uh, by the way, Bia, does your father have a car? And he goes, yeah. I go, did you ever see a stop sign or a traffic light? He goes, yeah. I said, well, Garrett Morgan was an African-American scientist who invented the traffic system. So when you see those, I want you to be a pure racist now. Just drive on through, okay? <laughs> and I said, if your house is burning down, don't call the fire department either, because Garrett Morgan also invented it, the, 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 the fire retardant suit and the gas mask. So you can't use any of those because you're a pure racist, right? Needless to say, the place was roaring by now. And I said, no, don't laugh. Please don't laugh. You see, he's just been educated. He can never bite into a peanut butter jelly sandwich again without thinking of an African-American, or see a stop sign, or a traffic light, or see a fireman. But you know what? He's got to go home, and he's got to face the ignorance that taught him that, and it's your job to back him up. Well, this is why I wanted to have you on, buddy, because I know you're great at like outlining it just like that, like you used to do in your presentations all the time. Are you still touring? Are you still giving presentations, or are you kind of retired? Um, what I'm doing, uh, Ari, I spend five hours a day learning Torah in the morning, and then the rest of the time I'm teaching and doing whatever I can to help my fellow Israelis, my fellow Americans who are struggling uh, with their issues of being in America. That's what I do. Uh, and... Uh, I'm doing all that I can. I just did a video with Nassim uh, Black called When, where I choreographed it and I play a part in it. Uh, Amari Stoudemire. And uh, one of my students I got uh, here uh, to play uh, Gitsahara character. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that's evil inclination side of all of us. And, uh, you know, I, I'm helping this country much as I can, helping America here as much as I can. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm, I love America, but in America, I'm an African American. Here, I'm just an Israeli. And that's a big difference. You know, it, I wish everyone could come to Israel and, and, and see this 
understand that they're trying to destroy everything America is. They destroy Israel, they guess what? They destroy your religion, America, because it was created here. It's an offshoot of, of, of Judaism. So they're trying to destroy Christianity. They're trying to destroy everything that we fought so hard to build, make, and preserve. And it just saddens me to see, especially the Democratic Party, the way they've acted these four years present. It's un, it's unprecedented. It, 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 it just boggles the mind. They spent so much money and time and effort trying to, to destroy America. And in essence, they weren't watching. They weren't watching what was going on around them. And so look what happened. We got uh, Corona. They, God said, uh, I'm pushing the reset button. Put everybody in their home. And that wasn't enough. You know, everyone was in their home. Now everyone's starting to think about God. Now everyone's starting to think about, oh, there's more to life than football. You know, there's more to life than, you know, and then the next thing you know, we start seeing the race. Start people's eyes are starting to open up. And what happens? They're trying to cover it up now. It, 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 and the very people that are hating the president are the ones that, that are bailing these terrorists out of jail. I don't get it. You know, it's time that the good, decent, you know, like I said, Americans from European descent to stand up and stop this. You know, the there's the only they're you they're the only ones that can. Because African Americans, we've been trying to do it since day one. And it never it hasn't gotten any further. It's time that we need that. America has to stand up and say enough is enough. You gotta take these people that are creating terrorism, like the Klan and all these Antifada people, and we gotta send them to Gitmo, okay? We gotta put them in Gitmo. And we gotta make sure that when we put them in Gitmo, they stay in Gitmo until they tell us about everybody and all their, all their people so we can get them to Gitmo. We gotta get rid of terrorism in America first before we think about terrorism anywhere else. You know, America first. And we'll leave it there. Jacob, I appreciate you being with us and taking the time and being so personal with us. Because and it, the real love you comes guys. through the screen. It comes across Zoom. And you've always been that way. Man, listen. You know, you got my vote. You, you're the most courageous guy I, I know in Seattle. I'm telling you. In Seattle, if you're not voting for Ari, <laughs> I don't know what to say you know, you're supposed to be an educated city. Well, get educated and vote for this man because uh, <laughs> you've been you've been hoodwinked. Thanks, Jacob. <laughs> All right, we'll be back right. after a brief word from our sponsor in Canary in the Coal Mine. Welcome back to the Coal Mine. It's hot in here, isn't it? Don't you think so? Coal mines are hot places. I've been in one. There's a really fun museum up in Vancouver that actually is an old uh, old mine that you can go on. It's one of the most fascinating museum tours I've ever been on. Anyway, sidebar. On Tuesday, Seattle Public Schools announced that full-time in-person learning is not an option for 6th grade and up in 2020-2021 school year. In two of the three scenarios presented by SPS, full-time learning is not an option for any grades. 
I'm going to sit here and wait while those of you who went ballistic on social media, when in a previous episode I said this was coming, you said, no, it's not happening. You're a liar. You're making this up. No, 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 no. I'll wait. Oh, wait, I had to ban a bunch of you because you were cussing at people and using names, and we don't allow that on my page, so probably won't be hearing from you. But you can catch this video on YouTube. You can see it there also. In May, the Washington State Office of Public Instruction outlined seven scenarios that were being considered for all learning, ranging from in-person classes like any other school year to online classes only. However, teachers in various school districts around the state reported to me that they were receiving phone calls from teacher union representatives telling them that only viable that the only viable option was full-time continuous online learning 2.0, which is option 7 in the document they originally published. Through at least January 2021, and that in-person classes would not resume until there was a vaccine for coronavirus. Exactly as I said. This is what happened. Now, we found out it wasn't all districts. Some Washington school districts have announced that they are preparing for full-time in-person learning for the fall. Seattle Public Schools presented three scenarios for the fall that they are considering. A lot of pushback happened and some schools reversed their some school districts reversed their positions. But here's what Seattle did. Here are their three scenarios. One, students in grades pre-K through fifth grade attend private attend school in person full time. Students in grades six through twelve have an A and B schedule where they receive part in-person learning and part remote learning. Two, students in all grades pre-K through 12 have A and B schedule and receive part in-person learning and part remote learning. Three, all students participate in 100 percent remote learning. Only option one includes any full-time learning and only for pre-K through fifth grade. The other plans do not include any full-time learning. As previously reported, SPS was originally not planning on having any online learning when Governor Jay Inslee closed the schools in April for the remainder of the school year because of, well, he called it coronavirus, and they said they couldn't provide the classes because of equity issues. What does that mean? They said the poor kids couldn't afford technology. We live in the tech capital of possibly the world, aside from Silicon Valley. You're telling me that Amazon, Microsoft, I wrote articles on this. I, I did the math. I pulled apart their budget about how much money they were saving by not having school and how they could spend that on technology, even if all these tech companies wouldn't step up. And mind you, they're always demonizing these tech companies. All our elected officials are always demonizing them. They're evil. Tax Amazon, tax everybody. And who saved the day? They managed to have online learning because Amazon and Microsoft and all those guys donated the technology, donated the hotspots, donated whatever was needed so these kids could have the learning they needed. However, they still had to rely on the Seattle Public School to, um, curriculum. So here's what it was. Parents of SPS students have reported that the online learning is a disaster. This seems to be acknowledged in the OSPI document in option six, which says continuous learning 1.0 current model is not a viable approach for the 2020-2021 school year, which is why they have continuous learning 2.0, which means better done version. Personally, my kids don't go to public school. They go to private school. Public school parents should see this as an opportunity to switch their kids into charter school or something else because they're always complaining about, and I've mentioned this before, the sex ed curriculum and all the other stuff they don't want in the public schools. So use this as an opportunity. Go to charter schools. Find another option. I know the private school is expensive. I'm not saying that. But look into the charter school option. This is a great time to start doing that. Teachers have reported that a large percentage of students are not even showing up for class. The high truancy rate was revealed after SPS changed their grading system to require teachers to give all Seattle high school students either an A or an incomplete in their courses for the duration of a COVID-19 health crisis. How is that equitable? So a kid in public school who 
pretty much just shows up and doesn't do any extra work or anything like that is going to get an A. And now they're competing with kids in private schools who have to continue working hard. And now they all have to compete for the same college spots. Anybody want to explain that one to me? Because I really don't understand it. At the time, many parents also questioned the governor's decision to cancel in-person class instruction in April for the remainder of the year without following the data showing that coronavirus cases had already peaked in the state and that Washington had effectively flattened the curve. This was back in April, and they made the decision for the rest of the school year. And now they're making the decision for next school year, and that's months away. Reaction came swiftly from SPS parents. Many asked how this decision could be made so early, especially in light of revelation that Washington State has been inflating the number of coronavirus cases, which we interviewed a guest in our last episode talking about that. In fact, they are even counting gunshot victims as coronavirus-related deaths. Other parents pointed to a recent press conference where Governor Inslee said that the protesters demonstrating against the death of George Floyd should show their support with their feet and with their voices as enshrined in the Constitution. While showing pictures of protesters standing shoulder to shoulder and not wearing masks, the governor himself had this press conference. This was contrary to what the governor said in April in response to a back-to-work demonstration in Olympia, where, quote, crowd counts or speeches won't determine our course. This isn't about politics. It can only be about doing what is best for the health of all Washingtonians. Yeah. Try rationalizing those two to me. You agree with one group, you don't agree with the other one. So that's why you're shutting them down. That's it. That's what's going on here. Uh, Otherwise, this virus is just brilliant. It knows that it can only contract and latch on to and infect people who want to go back to work and not people who want to protest social justice. Explain that one to me. Parents and pundits were quick to point out that if coronavirus is no longer a threat to protesters and mass gatherings, then they should be, and they were being encouraged by public officials, children should be allowed back in school. Exactly right. In May, the Tacoma School District sent a letter to paraeducators of special needs students instructing them to prepare for staffing reduction and layoffs, and that traditional on-site face-to-face school is not a viable option without dramatic changes to community transmission or a vaccine. Who says we're even going to get one? What happened to equity? You're now cutting education for the most vulnerable students we have, special needs students. What kind of monsters are you? What is wrong with you people? Meanwhile, domestic violence and addiction are up dramatically across the state, and special needs children are falling behind in their progress due to lack of in-person therapies and instruction. Parents of low-income families and single parents that need to go to work and leave kids alone all day are concerned their children will not perform schoolwork in their absence and will not get a full education. I'm concerned about that, and my wife's home all day because the kids are doing whatever they're doing on their laptops, and we're having a hard time watching over them even when we're in the house. Teachers themselves are faced with the daunting task of managing a classroom as well as their own children who are learning for home. So this doesn't work for special needs kids. This doesn't work for single parents. It doesn't work for dual income parents. It doesn't work for the teachers themselves who have to watch their own kids while teaching everybody else's. As of the time of this broadcast, King County just applied for modified phase one reopening as allowed by the governor's reopening plan, which was scheduled to begin statewide June 1st, causing Washingtonians to speculate that King County officials, because it took so long, this took a few days, they could have done this last week, are intentionally keeping people at home for political gain. 21 counties in Washington have applied and are already in phase two or opening around the state. Why can you go to a restaurant and not go to school? Really? Why can you go to other in-person services and not go to school? Anybody? especially when kids are barely at risk for this thing, the percentage of the the possibility of your kids getting this virus is like 0.00002. 
Several Washington school districts originally announced online learning only for the 2020-2021 school year, but reversed their position when faced with overwhelming parent resistance. It remains to be seen if Seattle parents will be successful in advocating for in-person classroom instruction for the fall of 2020. This is going to be up to you to push back. Something that's kind of gotten buried from the headlines with all this going on is the school stuff, is the loss of the hundreds of millions of dollars from unemployment. People need to keep calling this out. See, parents and teachers push back on their school districts, and some of them reverse position when I first put this out there, that this is what the public schools were planning. So what happened to the hundreds of millions of dollars that was lost from the unemployment fund? Now, I said in my last episode that when the state was running around saying they recovered all this money, no, they didn't recover all this money, that all they did was manage to stop more payments that were about to go out to these Nigerian fraudsters, and they were estimating it was somewhere between $1.6 million and $500 million the last time we covered this. Would you like to know what the total is really closer to? Here we go. This was in Lacamas Magazine. According to Senator Ann Rivers, 18th Legislative District of Washington, whose office was briefed yesterday by the Employment Security Department, the unemployment check fraud case is now approaching $1 billion in lost state funds. (laughs) $1 billion. Nobody's been fired. Nobody's been held accountable. They lost a billion dollars and people aren't getting their unemployment checks. So you want to shut down businesses and then not provide people unemployment? You stole their business. You stole their livelihood. You put their family on food stamps. You put their family on food lines at food banks. Governor Inslee, you did this. Susie Levine, you did this. Because you guys decided to get rid of everything that was a safeguard so you can get these checks out faster. It would have cost you a few extra days, or maybe you could have bought some real software instead of hiring whoever's nephew to write the code for your custom program that doesn't work. Unbelievable. The ESD fraud case is beyond anything originally suspected, said Rivers. Nearly $1 billion has been lost to Nigeria and other fraudsters. Rivers said that the people of Washington have been subject to a series of data breaches over the last several years, which include Zappos, Premier Blue Cross, and Equifax. This past year, Rivers was a Senate Republican lead on the data privacy bill, which passed unanimously in the Senate, but was blocked in the House. Hmm. I knew it was going to be a problem, said Rivers. The partisan breakdown in the House is what killed this bill. I worked it very hard. I knew we had to act, and this is unfortunate. The bill would have locked down the state consumer's data to prevent hacking, require two-factor authentication, among other security measures. Who voted against this? I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. Who voted against this? The hackers have been waiting for the right moment to attack, and an underprepared, I wouldn't say underprepared, that's being political, I would say negligent employment security division. COVID gave them that opportunity. River said my office was overwhelmed with calls of people needing to uh, needing help in filing unemployment. Today, Rivers was notified by ESD that each caucus can only help can help only 20 people per week. That's it. So they can't do their jobs and they're worried because these elected officials whose job this isn't are helping people and they're upset about that. On freaking real. Nobody's getting fired. Why? They made a decision to roll back the vetting process. They made a decision to hire somebody to write code from scratch rather than hiring a trusted thing that had been tested by Microsoft or whoever. Somebody needs to be held accountable for this. Somebody needs to be held accountable for what's going on in public schools. And the only way they're going to be is if you continue sharing, liking, telling people about this, and calling them yourselves and pushing back. It's the only thing that's good. You cannot rely on public officials. You need to call them and pressure them so they worry about their jobs. All they care about is the next one. 
I'll be asking Governor Inslee about this at the press conference, assuming he allows me to ask a question this week. I'm on the list. I do have press credentials now. Don't say. I didn't warn you. We'll be back with a few more sections of our awesome coal mine show after a brief word from our sponsor. In Hidden Gems this week, I want to talk about the TV show Space Force. I was really excited about this. I thought it was going to be like The Office, you know, had Steve Carell in it and uh, making fun of space, which I like. It's a entertaining comedy, but I think it's one of those shows that hasn't figured out what it is yet. It's streaming on Netflix right now. It's about the general who is tasked with starting the Space Force, our new sixth branch of the military. It is funny. It's not as funny as it should be, and I think it's finding its way. Those of you who are fans of the TV show The Orville with Seth MacFarlane, remember the first season? It was kind of like, is this Star Trek The Next Generation? I'm not really sure. And then it really started finding its way about halfway through the first season, and then the second season, and then you're like, this is the best Star Trek on TV right now. Yeah, it's better than Picard, and it's better than that crap show Discovery. Maybe the new show about Pike and the Enterprise will be way better, but... Space Force has its moments. It really does. I'm not going to spoil them for you. It's available to stream on Netflix now. You should check it out, and I hope it gets better as I watch it. I'm only a few episodes in. I have hopes for it because I see the potential of the show. I don't think it's there yet. Anyway, go check out Space Force and enjoy it. We'll be back with so much more in our next episode of Canary in a Coal Mine. Until then, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs>